I am Domenico and you are listening to the third season of the co-production podcast brought to you by Cineuropa and Eurimage. In today's episode, we are discussing the co-production of the film Close, directed by Lucas Dont. And to speak about this collaboration between Belgium, France and the Netherlands, we have the pleasure to welcome two of the co-producers of the film today. Welcome, guys. Uh, may I ask you to introduce yourself and your production company, starting with you, Mikiel. You are representing Menuet in Belgium. Hi, everyone. So my name is Michiel Dont. I, together with uh, Dirk Impens, I produced the film uh, by the, with the company Minuet. Lucas is also my brother, and uh, he's a director and I'm a producer. And we just recently founded our own production company to produce, of course, his films, but um, as well as other talented uh, filmmakers established or making their debut feature and we're working on currently we're working on Lucas's next film uh, together with a book adaptation. Thank you also with us today Lorette. Welcome Lorette. Your production company is based in Amsterdam. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and the company? My name is Lorette Schrillings. I work as a, one of the producers together with Frans van Gestel and Arnold Hesleveld for the production company based in Amsterdam, it's called Tokapi Films. And we have a rich tradition in co-producing with the Belgians. And with Menuetto, we also worked on Lucas' previous film, Girl. And before that, uh, we worked on um, the films from Felix van Groeningen. So we did also the Broken Circle Breakdown, Belgica. Um, and uh, hopefully we continue the collaboration with Michiel in the future. Thank you. Uh, Mikhail, there's also uh, a French co-producer. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that collaboration. So besides uh, Belgium and the Netherlands, there's also a French uh, co-producer on close. Um, um, the company is called uh, Diafana. It's our co-producer and our distributor in France um, by Michel Saint-Jean. Uh, and we also worked with him on Lucas's first feature film, Girl. Uh, so it was a natural continuation of our collaboration. Maybe you can also introduce us to the story of the film without spoiling it too much, because people have the op- a lot of people have already watched that film, but um, some more may discover it after listening to the podcast. So Lucas's second film, Close, is about um, an intense friendship between two young boys that suddenly gets disrupted and um, trying, struggling to understand the situation. Leo um, takes comfort in Sophie, Remy's mother. And Close is about, is mostly about friendship, taking responsibility, but also searching for vulnerability and trying to push away labels. Is the film more expensive than uh, Lucas' uh, first film? Uh, so for Lucas' second second film, Close, he wanted to be more ambitious than his first feature film. And I think besides the story, we felt that also in the in the production design, um, for those who ha- have already seen the film, you, you might have noticed it. It's with big flower fields that we recorded in the Netherlands, um, as well as an ice hockey range and um, some more established actresses as Emily de Can and Lea Drucker. So 
naturally the film was a little bit more expensive than Lucas's first film, but it's also because Girl was made in 2018 and Close was made in 2022. So there's a natural increase of also um, fees for the crew or characters. And there was COVID, of course. And of course, there was that lovely period in time that's called COVID. Uh, I I already forgot, Lorette. Thanks for this. Thanks for this friendly reminder. Um, no, I think COVID was, we were, when COVID started, we were in the midst of financing the film. Actually, we were, we were quite lucky. If we were shooting during COVID, it, it was going to be much worse than it was. We hadn't started yet. Uh, we started shooting at the end of COVID. In a way, there were still a lot of restrictions and uh, we had to take tests every other two days, I think. But luckily, we were in financing and Lucas was writing. So together with Topkapi, with Versus from the French-speaking part of Belgium and the Afana, we were really able to to figure it out, the whole COVID situation, before we started shooting. And I think that was one of our strong points uh, of making a film during COVID. So maybe you can, you were speaking about financing, maybe you can walk us uh, through the different sources of uh, funding uh, in Belgium, but we will talk also about the Netherlands and France, and of course, Urimash, who supported, uh, that supported the film uh, as well. Uh, how did it start? Did you get like uh, money for uh, development in Belgium? Every project in, in, in Flanders, so the Flemish-speaking part of Belgium, starts with the Flanders audiovisual funding system. We got that support first, but I think um, we knew and in a very early stage, um, so I'm going to compliment Lorette now, but she can just listen, um, that uh, we knew in a very early on stage that we wanted to work with the same partners at, as Lucas's first feature film, so actually, the financing of this film or the structure of financing of this film was clear in a very early stage. Um, and I think that was a, a strong advantage because I don't think that every film has that clear structure from the beginning. We did with with the, the Flanders Audiovisual Fund. We did it with the tax shelter system, which is quite popular in Belgium, also for for international films who want to co-produce with Belgium um, with our local distributor Lumiere who was also there um, for Lucas's first feature film and we also had the co-production with a Flemish broadcaster as well as a, as a French-speaking part of Belgium also a broadcaster. And uh, Lorette what about the Netherlands what, what was the source of financing there? Of course, uh, the selective fund. We call it Breda Commission. I don't know if it's the same in English, but uh, it's uh, the commission meets at Breda and they have, I think, two Flemish or three and three Dutch or two Dutch per year. And um, we were part of that. And after that, we were able to also go to the production incentive in our, in our country. What about Creative Europe? Did you apply to Creative Europe for the project? We applied only after the film was made for Creative Europe Media. Um, we we left that to our um, distributor for Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg. 
because as well, again, as I, as I already said, like the financing structure was quite clear from the beginning. We knew that we had uh, Topkapi, the Afana, uh, Versus, um, Lumiere, the match factory as a sales agent, and then Urimage as a collective European funding. That structure was locked quite early. So we had the luxury to, to not apply anymore for any other fundings. But then they were... Um, Rimage, of course. And um, you remember how much money you got from uh, Rimage? I think we applied for 320 and we got 300. So you, you shot in 2022 and um, the film. Um, was very quick in the making because uh, the, it got released uh, very fast after that. So did you encounter any any challenge, any issue during the shooting? Or it seems the um, experience was very seamless. So I'm looking for conflict. Now. <laughs> You're looking for drama, Domenico. I think the, the, the drama was mainly in the production, if I remember well, more than in the release, right? I mean, you we we had a you had a kind of weather issues. Now, I completely forgot about that image that you visited the set. I think one of the in the final weeks, and it was a very um, tough production due to the weather because there's um, in the film the four seasons are very important: summer, winter, fall. And so summer normally has the sun, but when we were shooting, the sun did not want to come up. Um, so it was raining the whole time. And I know, Lorette, I'm interested in how you experienced that day, Lorette, so you have to tell me. But I know, I remember now, I completely blocked that, that image out of my head, that Lorette and Franz came to visit the set, and I was... I was completely drained. It was, I was so tired after changing shooting days, have, having to shift with actors, availabilities and everything. Well, for, for us, it was a little bit like keeping up appearances. <laughs> so we knew that something was going on. And I mean, I think we came on this beautiful day, you know, with uh, all the flower fields. And it's the very famous scene where they run through the fields. So actually, we were really enjoying, but we could sense a kind of a tension. And uh, we, we heard about the, the, the tough training days for the little, little boy, you know, for the ice skating and uh, the, the weather has gone bad. But you pretended like, no, it's, it's going quite well. But we sensed that, yes, you, had, you were keeping up. And of course, we know the drill because we made several films. So we knew that we should only be there for a certain period of time and go home soon. The, the fact is that it was so hard. So the film, one of the, the main locations of the film is a, is a flower field. And they only blossom a certain period during the year for, I think, 10 to 14 days. And after that, they, they are at their best and they get cut off to, to start selling. And because it was raining so much, the ground or the dirt of those flower fields was completely soaked. 
but in the in the in the image and in, in the cinematography we had to um ride with golf carts in 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 like a lane to follow the two boys and the and the ground was too soaked for the golf carts to ride and that was just the moment that we wanted to start shooting and Loretta and Franz drove up and came to say hello in like a very enthusiastic way and i was like no 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 this is this is not the moment <laughs> but you were there for mental support and you know what being on set as a producer is never really much fun because there's nothing you can do especially when you're co-producer you're always in somebody's way you know there's always a cameraman that has to push you away you're you're standing in the in the in the wrong angle um i mean we know that we know where we are when we come to visit a, a set what was shocking to me is that actually nobody knows you because you're on the background you you don't do like the daily um the daily fixing of things in a way and suddenly you get to the set because you also want to see what you've been working on for i mean three to four years and everybody's like who are you who who is this person is this a fan is this somebody just who wants to be there that was in the beginning because it was my first film producing together with Dirk of course under his wings that was a that was something that i had to um digest a little in a way i also still remember like one thing that wasn't during the the tournage but it was in the post production so since we were working with two 13 year old boys they after we have we um were done shooting they were entering their puberty and we did the whole post um a big part of the post production we did in the netherlands together with Loretta and Franz and Arnold um and the two boys had to do had to come and do post synchronization like some sentences that that weren't well recorded or some other things but their voices had um shifted from young young boys to young adolescents in a way so like we we did the recordings but we couldn't use anything because their voice their timbre or how do you call it in english was completely changed so this is the kind of stuff that you don't really anticipate when you're writing or when you're uh, producing a film even though as i said before the the film uh, happened very fast between the, the, the beginning of shooting and uh, the completing of the of the financing and, and the release still within that time it's a bit like the flowers uh, the the voice uh, the voices had changed um and then the film premiered in um, in Cannes if i remember it well uh, can you tell us a little bit about that premiere and how the film was received uh, very early on? Let's go ahead because I don't remember anything anymore from that day. <laughs> well, the rumor was good, so we all felt uh, like. Uh, of course, for for me as a co-producer, it's totally different because I take care of my ticket, I take care of my hotel, I I call Michiel. How many cars can we get uh, admit, to to enter the theater, and that's it. But for, for Michiel, it's a whole circus because the cast needs to come along. Where do everyone sleep? When is everybody coming? Uh, where do we eat? Um, how, long, how late should we be doing interviews? Um, 
well, that whole lineup, I, I think this is one of the reasons that Michiel doesn't know it anymore because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> True. It's a little, it's a big haze in a way. It, I, that was such an adrenaline rush because you had to work 24 seven to work towards that premiere. And it, in, in a way you were also trying to, to, to sell the film to other territories, to North America, to the UK, to Spain, to, I mean, that was also mostly the, the work of our sales agent, the match factory. But I mean, you have that vision that your world premiere will be glamorous and that you will be well slept and that you will, will have time to go to the spa to like completely after the whole production that it's going to be, it's going to be grand and it's going to be um, fabulous. But then we got informed that the night before our premiere, we had to be in the theater at, I think, 3 a.m. in the morning to do a technical screening of clothes. So, like, test the audio, test the image. So, Lucas and I, we got up in the middle of the night to go to that theater and we would we could walk in those empty corridors underneath the palace in Cannes. So that was quite a magical experience as well. But then I, I think I slept for two hours and then I got back up again to start yeah, organizing everything for the premiere together with an incredible team, of course. I think that's the only thing I remember from, from our world premiere. Uh, if I remember it well, the screen quite late. It was towards the end of the festival. That yeah, the, so the film was premiered at the very end of the festival and everybody kept telling us that all the press was going to be already gone and that everybody um, would already leave the festival. But I think our sales agents and our French distributor, Diafana, uh, they organized a lot of um, screenings in the beginning of the festival. So the worth of mouth was already there. So the film got some attention in a way, um, building up to that premiere. And I think that was a very very wise decision to do so because then i think after the festival the film was sold to over 100 territories and then the film also went to the academy awards so maybe you can tell us very briefly about this experience because as a young producer uh, and as you said it was like the first time for you to to actually produce a film um and you went to the finish line with it so um what was this about I also do believe, because since this was my first film under the trust also of Dirk, but we or I could only do it since we were working with trusted partners as, as Topkapi, as Diafana, as Lumiere, as Versus, I mean, ev really everyone, um, that I didn't have to think anymore about those kinds of things. I mean, our relationship was built on trust, so I could really focus on the things that would matter to me. And I knew that if Lorette and I, for example, started talking and I asked something, for example, I don't know, that that it was gonna be handled with um, a level of, of yeah trust and respect and whatsoever. And that was very um, soothing for me because Lucas did quite a big portion of the post-production in Amsterdam that he was under Topkapi's wings 
in a way. Um, and I, I believe that if you don't have a relationship yet that is built on trust, that is much more difficult to push it off my plate for in a way, for example. Um, so that is something that I wanted to say, because I mean, this is what was my first time, but this was not a solo effort. I mean, I do believe that there was, this was such a, a group project because we, we had French actresses, we had a completely Dutch co-production team. We had, uh, uh, from the French speaking part also actors. So it was such a co-production it was not just a financial co-production. It was really a group effort. Um, and I believe that is one of the main reasons that we could go to that finish line and go to the Academy Awards. I mean, we worked our asses off. I think the, the, the secret of co-production is finding a natural co-production. So, so that for everyone, the part is very clear and it's logical to work on instead of being forced because then you have to fight when it's not working. So, and I think this, this production proves exactly that. Yeah. The downside is that I only got to, got to know this natural co-production. So I don't want it any other way anymore. A lot of people tell me, yeah, but you had a good co-production, but this is the only thing that I know. So, um, I think we did together with uh, Menuet, we did already uh, 10 productions and all, all went really well. I, I really can say that from the bottom of my heart. It was a pleasure to work together, but it's only uh, based on good trust and faith and good humor and understanding your producer. And uh, then you favor each other as well a lot. So I think it all starts with a good relationship. And then if you find an, a production that comes naturally, and of course, we have the, the benefit of the language. We speak this kind of the same language. Then uh, it could work out very well. Thank you. Thank you. It's already time to conclude this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, feel free to subscribe on the Co-Production Podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, or whatever your favorite podcast platform may be. I want to thank Creative Europe for supporting Cineropa over the years and, of course, Eurimage for backing up this program for the third season in a row. And, of course, our guest, Michiel Loret, thank you very much for uh, being part of this conversation uh, today. Uh, it was a long time coming. We really wanted to discuss this film for a long time. I'm happy it finally happened. I'm recommending close to all of our listeners. And please, dear co-producers, keep collaborating and making films together for us to enjoy. Bye-bye.